All right, we are continuing with our kind of uh, vintage Advent, and today we're talking about joy. And our scripture today comes out of Isaiah 35, uh, beginning in verse 1. Listen for the word of the Lord. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom and it will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will uh, be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool and the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and pyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on the way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and singing will flee away. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. So as we talk about joy, as I was sharing with the kids, uh, you know, when you, we hear these words, peace, love, joy, um, over and over again, and sometimes we just don't stop to think about, what does that mean? And so when I hear the word joy, um, you know, oftentimes we think of happiness. But when you hear the word great joy, as announced with uh, Jesus and the angels, uh, uh, great joy has come into the world. You know, you start thinking about what, what it makes it joy versus happiness, what makes it great joy. What are the aspects of that? Um, when you look at this text, we see first, and I'm going to just put forward three elements that I look at when I see in Scripture when they talk about joy and what our Scripture in Isaiah 35, the, the different dynamics that we see. Um, first, well, let's set the scene. So the, the Israelites, especially those that have been in exile, um, these examples that they give are going to be um, very real to them. You know, when we talk about being thirsty or the parched desert, that we kind of get an image, but they had been living in it. Remember the times and the lack of technology um, and having to march through the desert, their, uh, even their wilderness story of leaving Egypt. They have had a lot of experience of going through the wilderness, of going through the desert, and experienced thirstiness, real thirstiness. And not, not like us when we mow the lawn on, in August, but not sure where your next drink is going to come from type thirsty. 
Not sure if you're going to find water in time type thirsty. Uh, and when we, they talk about uh, the disabled in here, well, David McKinnon says he, he describes and parses this verse in a few different contrasts. He says, the wasteland to the garden, the weak to the strong, the lame to the leaping, the drought to the delta, and the wilderness to the highway. And so he describes these aspects that are going to be very real to them. You know, they went wandering in the wilderness. They didn't have a way. They didn't know what they were doing. They just went wandering. Think about uh, the disadvantages of being disabled today. It's a disadvantage, right? Think about being disabled in their day. You know, the lack of medical and equipment. and I mean, it, just the contrast alone, and that's really the first thing I want to look at. When we talk about great joy, when we're dealing with God and we look at our scripture today, there's three dynamics. There's contrast, there's the unexpected, and there's the anticipated. So that's first, and the reason I pull those out is because I think those are the difference between regular happiness, even regular joy, to what the scripture describes as great joy. It takes it to that next level, that God kind of joy. And so first we look at contrast, and we, as I already mentioned, some of the contrast in here um, that they're going to, that's going to be very real to them, and especially those that have just entered into exile and have gone through exile, all these different things. The parched land, and, and he gives a vision, not just the parched land, but it's now going to be like the cedar of Lebanon, the, the oaks of Carmel, the roses of Sharon. He describes all of these things that are uh, rich with vegetation and life. And it paints a real picture, a real contrast to the desert. And so he goes on. He talks about uh, disabilities. He, he talks about the, what we just went through, the, the weak to the strong. They, they were familiar with weak and strong. Everything was by might in that day. Right? It was by your power that you ruled. And Jesus is going to come and say, no, it's different for my kingdom. But what they understood is power. And so when, we, when it talks about divine retribution and vengeance, they're going to understand what that means because it is power that's going to overtake power. Um, drought, we talked about that. Lame to leaping. All of these different contrasts makes it a, a tremendous joy. Because when you have these huge contrasts um, in your lives, that it brings greatness. There's a weight to it. So to help you think of maybe examples in your life, when I went to one of my mission trips to Africa, we went to the slums of Nairobi. And they're, you know, famous, almost as Calcutta slums in India, as some of the worst slums in the world. And it's just masses and masses of people living in these little tin, like, little, I wouldn't even call them huts. They're connected. And it's just amazing to see the poverty that's there. And on this particular trip, I'd been there a few times. On this particular trip, the next day we, are, we were just stopping there in the morning. And the next, that afternoon, 
By that time, that evening, we were in a, at a safari um, in northern Kenya. And the contrast of the luxury of this safari place, the food, the accommodations, was just stark in its contrast. And I thought about, just imagine those, those people that I just left that morning in some of the worst slums I've seen in my life probably are never going to see that. And the difference between, uh, the starkness between that to this was amazing. And that's oftentimes what we see in Scripture that we can't imagine, we cannot imagine the greatness of what God has in store for us. And so what we would call hyperbole isn't really hyperbole because it doesn't even come close. God does his best through God's word and Jesus tries his best to communicate the, the glory of knowing God, the peace that passes all understanding, the joy that is greater than anything we can imagine. And we can't even get a glimpse C.S. Lewis said it's, it's as if we uh, forego a child foregoing an offer to go to the ocean, to the beach, to play in the mud puddle because he can't fathom what the beach or ocean might be. The contrast is too great. But that's where you get the great joy. That's what the prophet Isaiah is trying to paint for his people there will be a time where it will be amazing, like we read last week in Isaiah 11, where there won't be any war, there will be peace. It will be an uncommon peace. And this is an uncommon, oftentimes to us, an unfamiliar joy. And the contrast that he lays down is to try to give us an idea of the greatness of that. The second aspect is the unexpected. And this ties in with the contrast because you, can't, you don't always expect what God's going to do. Remember, we've talked about in the prophets, there's always these two-part message of judgment and condemnation, but also hope. And so... He starts off in the early part of Isaiah, the first 34 chapters, mostly. There's some pieces in there that are not. But he starts off telling them all why they're in this situation, reminding them of their unfaithfulness, their disobedience, and their worshiping of idols. And all that they had did, done wrong to get them in this situation. And so all of a sudden he turns and says, but and talks about this glorious contrast of the situation they find themselves in. That's unexpected, right? Oftentimes, some of our great joy is when something comes into our lives and it's unexpected. That's why we like surprise parties. That's things that come. You ever get some money you didn't expect? You ever get some news you didn't expect? There's a, there's a little more greatness with that joy of the unexpected. Friday night, I have a good friend who um, has Mavs, season Mavs tickets. And he called and said, hey, do you want to go? We'll hang out and go to the Mavs-Bucks game, Milwaukee game. Those of you NBA, that's a good matchup. I said, sure. And he called me a few, he didn't check with the scheduler, so he called me a 
texted me back and said, hey, <clears throat> I can't go. We're supposed to go to a concert with me and my wife, but you can have both of them. So I have two boys, and that would have been Sophie's choice. I couldn't have picked them. So I took Brody, right, my grandson, to his first Mavs game. I think it's going to spoil him because these are good seats. If you're watching on ESPN, we were fourth row behind the bench of the Bucks, and you could see us all the time. But on the way there, he's never been to a Mavericks, an NBA game. He's eight years old. He's been to like a high school basketball game. I mean, he's seen it. He kind of knows but I was like, you want to go? Yeah, yeah, I'll go. And then he was being a little ornery. He's like, well, maybe Mimi should go. I was like, you don't understand, do you? And on the way there, he was kind of being ornery. He can be a little ornery. He gets that from his grandmother. Um, <laughs> and so he was telling me, I'm bored. And, and then I was like, well, and then he started yawning. And then he started it's about an hour ride. And then he started telling me, counting his yawns. Oh, there's one. And we got up to 16 yawns by the time we got there. And I was just like, okay, okay. And we got there an hour early. We got in. And if you understand, from an eight-year-old high school small gym basketball to uh, American Airlines I mean, we were, we were, there was barely anyone sit, sitting down. I said, well, you, are you bored? You want to go walk around? He's like, no. <laughs> no, and then the, the game started, and all the festivities and the lights and the music, and it was just overwhelming. And by the end of the night, he was just so excited. That was the best thing ever. And I said, I love you, Papa. You know, it's all that. <laughs> that was the best thing ever. Part of that was it was so unexpected. He had no idea what to expect. And it was so, the contrast from what he thought it was going to be in his experience and what it actually was and the unexpectedness of it brought him great joy. And so the final aspect is anticipation. You know, there might have been some unexpected aspects and some contrast that we can't fathom, but there's also some anticipation, especially when we're talking about Advent for us. Because God promises us, even in the midst of our sin and our failures and our struggles, if we return to him, he will return to us. And he promises of a day where there will be no more fighting, no more strife, no more division. He promises all of these things. And the joy, great joy that we celebrate in Advent and during Christmas when Jesus comes into the world is the fulfillment and the anticipation of the promises of God coming into the world. Now, there's only a few that got it. But there was great joy in those that understood that this was the fulfillment. This is what we have been waiting for. And we anticipate now the second coming where the first coming was about finding peace and restoration and all of that good stuff within the person and bringing together the body. There will be a time when all of creation 
will be what God intended it to be. And all the promises of God. And so we, great, we wait in great anticipation for that. So anticipation is part of the buildup of the greatness of the joy that we experience when we talk about Jesus Christ. As a pastor, you see this all the time. I've seen it with some of my own kids. I've seen it definitely with, with weddings, right? Especially big weddings that start a year and a half in advance and all of this planning and picking this and picking that and the menus and all the stuff I don't <coughs> participate in. But by, when that day comes that you've anticipated maybe all your life and then with this person for several years, it, the, the excitement and the joy is so great, you almost can't take it in. And so this anticipation, this waiting is part of the great joy that we talk about when we talk about the joy of Advent. The contrast of the life we know and what we see in this world to the greatness of God, the, the anticipation of what God has been promising throughout history and the unexpectedness when it finally comes. And the, and, and the unexpectedness of the greatness. The, the best thing that I could think of that, that kind of summed up all of these was an article I had read recently. It was about a man, if I can find his name, I want to quote, Eddie Lee Howard. So when we think about Isaiah 35, we think about the people and the creation of the world. Eddie Lee Howard was in prison for, on death row for 26 years for a murder of an elderly woman that was committed in 1992. 26 years on death row. And in 2021, he was exonerated because of faulty bite evidence, um, ironclad eyewitnesses that had always been there, and ultimately, like we often hear of, DNA proved that it wasn't him. In 26 years, he had been imprisoned. He had been bound up, and he was condemned to die, and he lived with that for 26 years. And there's a picture of him when he gets out and he's just shouting with great joy. His hands are up. You can just feel it. Just looking at the picture, you can feel the great joy that he has. And so we all experience joy and happiness throughout the time. But the greatness is what Eddie felt here, right? He knew he was innocent. And he anticipated maybe someday they'll find out. And he probably dreamed that probably what kept him going, anticipating a day that he might be freed. And it was finally came against all odds. It was here. Can you imagine the joy? But on the same time, it was unexpected. He's been, year after year, he probably had lost a little hope, lost a little hope. He was trying to hang on and anticipate for that day, but over time, he continued to lose hope. 
after 26 years, you probably expect it might not happen. Then out of the blue, can you imagine that moment? That unexpected moment when someone comes and said, hey, you're going to be free. And the contrast of his life in prison. Now he knows every day from that moment on for the rest of his life is going to be a gift because of the contrast he has lived with for 26 years in prison on death row. Now he's free and out in the world. Can you imagine a greater joy? There's only one thing about this analogy, this metaphor, is that now imagine... that he was guilty. See, that's the thing. That's what Isaiah is trying to talk to us about. He's like, yes, there's a time where you can be free and you're going to experience unexpected blessings and grace that you know you don't deserve. There's a time that, that... the, the contrast of what I have for in store for your life and the way you've been living is so great, you're not going to be able to imagine. It's going to be such great joy. But, all, but Jim, you're guilty. How much greater joy is that? Someone took my place, and I don't deserve it. You know what that adds to the greatness of that joy? Humility and humbleness, and faithfulness. It says, I bring you tidings of great joy. On one hand, you've been anticipating for a long time. On the other hand, it's so amazing and so big and so great that you can't even comprehend and anticipate what what is coming for you. But trust me, It is coming, and it is now here. That's what we talk about when we live into Advent, about the already and the not yet. Peace and grace and forgiveness is already here in the person of Jesus Christ. And the redemption of the soul is already here in Jesus Christ. But as far as the total redemption of all of God's creation, it's not here yet, but it's coming. And that is what Advent is. That is the hope and the peace and the joy that we celebrate during Advent. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would cover us, that your Holy Spirit would protect us, that we would receive you and all the blessings that you had offered that you offer to us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is in his name we pray. Amen.